Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Injecting soul into the everyday. Because margaritas and bachi are just as soulful as minis and self-care. We're your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. So Holly, I've got a great comment from the Facebook group this week. Show me. It's actually on um, an episode, I think it was two or three episodes ago actually. It wasn't the most recent, but it's so good I got to read it out. Please. It's from Susanna Amy. Suze! I love you by the way. (laughs) Shout out to Suze. Owning spirituality is my favourite episode yet. I felt like I was in the deep south of the US at a church yelling, Amen, preach sisters, by myself. (laughs) This is everything I believe for not only my spirituality, but everything in my life. My mental health struggles with ADHD and anxiety, being a full-time entrepreneur and GASP network marketer, being a loud, energetic, millennial, feminist American in a small-ass seaside town in England. I never dim my light for anyone, but moving here, I really started to second-guess myself. Am I too much? Am I too positive? Am I too happy? Brits literally have told me they don't want to be my friend because I'm too happy. Fuck. I know. She's got, she's, she's got humor about it. She's got some smiling face emojis on there. Actually, rolling on the floor laughing emojis. Love um, those. But being a nomad, expat, etc., has allowed me to introduce myself in new environments as the newest and most current version of myself unapologetically through a lot of self-work, reflection, etc. So yes, I agree. A thousand percent spirituality or anything that you associate with, you have to own it, love it, shout it out from the mountaintops or not if that's not your style, but never downplay it. Thank you, Holly and George. You speak right to my soul every episode and I recommend this podcast to legit everyone, even damn grumpy Brits. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, Susie. I love that. Not all Brits are grumpy. But yeah, I get the vibe. <laughs> Shout out to the Brits that listen to our show that are not grumpy. <laughs> we see you. You couldn't be grumpy if you listened to this show. You actually couldn't be. I mean, not by the end of it. No. That's for sure. How the bloody hell are you, Joe? I'm good. Um, it's Libra season, which is great. And um, I've just been putting all my Libra materials together in my world. Um, But it's so funny because I've actually been (laughs) physically embodying Libra season. And I mean this by Libra is all about balance and harmonizing and justice and fairness. I've actually literally embodied imbalance in that I have been falling over. I fell up some stairs, injured myself quite severely this week. I've walked into my glass doors at home. (laughs) I was even trying to feed myself lunch the other day and I missed my mouth with the fork. What? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Thankfully, no one was watching me. But I just like, I really, I'm feeling the imbalance of Libra season, which is what it's all about. It's like getting you back into balance. So it's just been highlighted, which is great. It's good. Yeah. Have you been feeling Libra season? Oh, girl. Well, my moon is in Libra, just in case anyone's forgotten, because I know we've got a list of my chart qualities on your fridge. Um, 
And I've been feeling the imbalance in the lead up to this shift in season, George, but not in my physical falling over, but in like metaphoric falling over my feet when it comes to old habits emerging of, I mean, dare I say it, people pleasing and putting everyone else's stuff in their life ahead of my own. And it really did reach breaking point uh, last week when I was in Byron with you actually, where it, it got to this head of, I can't hold everyone's stuff anymore because I'm not even holding myself. And this week for me, shifting into Libra season, it's been a highlight on, okay, how did I get back into these very natural habits of mine where I'm the carer for everyone in my life and not caring for myself first. So it's been quite confronting and challenging, but also, as you said, shining a light on where I need to kind of step up. So it's been good, but also difficult, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's why we go through these astrological um, shifts and changes, right? To highlight where we need to address stuff, basically. And so although it's really shit that we're like falling over or getting caught in old habits, at least it shines a light on it for us to go, oh, hang on, I don't actually need to be doing this. And I guess that's the point when we notice these energetic shifts and these astrological shifts is do you pay attention to what's being brought up for you, even if it's uncomfortable? And then what do you do with that? Or do you continue repeating the same mistakes and the same habits and wait for the universe to smack you in the face with the lesson if you're not paying attention? Totally. And to be honest with you, that's why I started talking about the moon quite openly and sharing what I knew about it because I found that a lot of people would have stuff come up for them but wouldn't know what it was or why it was coming up and so would ignore it. And if you can sort of understand what the energy is doing at the time and bring some self-awareness and observation to the things that are happening around you, you can move stuff, you can move through stuff so fast. Do you know what's frustrating for me though, Jordan? I wonder if you feel the same. A lot of the time there are these key themes, maybe two or three big themes for me and big lessons that I feel I've learned and then I put everything into practice and I've moved through it. Three months, six months later, the same lesson. I've gone back to my old habits again. You know why? And you know this because you say it all the time. You're being tested. Yeah, it's true. It's one thing to learn the lesson and if it never comes up again, how are you going to know you've learned it? That is such a good point. The lesson that keeps coming up for me is this piece on people-pleasing. And it's actually so rich because, and and this is kind of like one of the things I grapple with when you're coaching people is not having it all figured out. Because I have an e-book, it's called The People-Pleaser's Guide to Putting Yourself First. And I've coached a lot of clients one-on-one on on people-pleasing habits. But to be honest, George, it's one of my biggest struggles and challenges and a lesson that keeps emerging. And it's been the biggest thing for me over the last, I'd say, two to three months. Yeah. But I mean, you wrote that book, right? Because you know it, you know it and you still need to learn (laughs) that lesson. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, I go through this shit all the time. I always say to myself, this is what I teach. I should start listening to myself, but everyone (laughs) says it. Everyone says it. We had it with a friend the other day when we were out for birthday drinks, you know, and she's a beautiful yoga teacher and she was feeling so frazzled and overwhelmed. And she's like, need to start listening to the instruction I give in class like it's so true and also being really compassionate with ourselves around the humanness in us which 
is full of contradictions, which is making mistakes, repeating mistakes and relearning things. I always say it's a constant, this work is constant remembering and it's how much quicker can you get on the saddle? Not, oh my gosh, I've taken 10 steps back. It's how much quicker can I get on the saddle? That was Lola snoring. Can you hear that? Yes. I was like, is there an engine revving in your bedroom? <laughs> She's having a dream. You know when doggies dream and they do that weird contortion of their face? Yeah. Is she going to keep doing that? Nah, I'm just like, I'm just going to like. just smothered her, her with a pillow. Right <laughs> now, we're recording. <laughs> Lola. Lola, just stop, baby girl. Wake up. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I have been sitting with is because we can unpack the root causes of, okay, why is it that you're reverting to the behavior of, in this example, people pleasing? And I don't know about you and your relationship with people pleasing, Joy, but for me, it is this underlying innate quality, given the Libran moon in me, where I internalize that I need to be the person that looks after everyone else to be worthy, to be deserving, to be loved, to be accepted. And I mean, it's why, to be honest, I got into coaching in the first place. I feel of value when I'm giving and when I'm helping. Can you relate to that as well? Oh, absolutely. And nothing lights me up more than to be of service. I, I love that. But what happens is I think also when you do it for work, you it's not it's not just the people in your life taking advantage of you it's no. you forgetting to step out of that role and this is this is actually before we even dive into this whole let's define people pleasing because Beautiful. i think i think for a lot of people maybe they're not familiar with what it actually what what we're actually getting at when we talk about this so do you want to kind of define it a little bit for people Sure. So my definition of people pleasing is putting other people's interests ahead of your own. So it's saying yes to things when you want to be saying no, but you feel you should. I feel in in my relationship with people pleasing, it's living by the shoulds versus the wants. And it's so I should be there for this person because they're my friend and they need me as opposed to what I really need right now. What I want right now is just to switch my phone off and Go under the covers for a day. Do you know what I think happens? Tell me what you think. I think that people-pleasing starts off from a really beautiful, giving, um, innocent space where someone's going through something and you want to hold space for them and, and you're there to listen and if they ask for it, then absolutely give your advice. And then all of a sudden it starts to kind of escalate a little bit where all you're doing is giving and you're not actually receiving anything in return. So the energetic exchange is thrown off. That's exactly what it is, Jord. And I see it with clients. I see it with friends. I see it with us. We love to give. (laughs) You see it with us? (laughs) I see it with us. Not in our dynamic, but we both, I know we both experience this where we love to give, we get value from giving. And so it's not as if I don't want to be there for my friends. I don't want to be there. I, I want to be there. Absolutely. So it's almost this head fuckery of, I really want to show up and be there for these people in my life. But at the same time in doing that, I'm not there for myself. And does that make me selfish or a bad person? Yeah, so I guess I guess what it is is being able to and it's not selfish at all. It's it's selfless in a way is putting up some boundaries because this is what I've noticed with people pleasing. You're actually doing a disservice to the person, right? Absolutely. Because what happens is you start to indulge them and they just keep dumping stuff on you and they're not actually processing anything. 
So mm-hmm. let's use the example of like um, someone that's going through a crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say let's mm-hmm. say a breakup, a breakup. We've both been dealing with people in our lives going through breakups lately. Yes. So let's say someone's going through a breakup and they come to you distraught and they want to, um, you know, they want to process everything that's going on with you and, and, you know, let you know what he said and she said and blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. You sit there and listen and you can hold space for that, right? That's not people pleasing yet. That's being there for your friend. Exactly. You listen, they ask you for advice, you give some advice, they go away and ignore your advice, which we all do when we're going through relationship stuff, that's fine. And then all of a sudden, the dynamic very slowly starts to change in that all they're doing is coming and dumping all of the stuff they're going through on you and not taking any of your advice. And therefore, there's no energetic exchange happening anymore. The energy is all their energy on you and you're unable to do anything except hold their energy in your hands. And that's that becomes an overload. It becomes an overload, especially when it's just, and I, I've had this experience over the last few months, when it's not been one friend going through a crisis. It's been about 10 friends all at the same time, all going through really heavy stuff, not realizing that it's kind of become this pile on myself because I've had no boundaries or discernment with that. And then it's been this toppling down of, oh my God, I'm buried here. And that's what this conversation is about, right? The onus is on you. It's not on your 10 friends going through a crisis because they're the only ones going through their crisis, right? So why can't they come to their friend Holly and talk to her and be held by her because she holds so well? The onus is on you to go, I will listen to you but I'm going to have to set up boundaries about how involved I get. And that's something that you do a lot. I, I used to do it and I've pulled myself back. But now I pull you up on it is that I'm like, it's not actually, you're not going through it, Holly. You're that's not going right. through it. Not your circus, not your monkeys. Polish I, proverb. I love it so much. But that's that's what I feel in those moments is I need to fix things for people I need and it's from my childhood I was the one when my family was you know going through breakdown and a very tumultuous time with my siblings and my parents I was the one that they would all come to and I was the fixer so it's it's my natural inclination is to get into this fixer mode and it becomes my own it's almost as if I'm used to having a life that is fueled by drama and upheaval of everyone's stuff. And I'm used to it because I put my coach hat on and it's what I do for work. But do you know what? Sometimes it's nice to take that hat off and just like talk smack and not have to be the helper all the time. And it's a download I've been getting recently, which is the only person you're here to fix is you. That's it. That's, that is our only responsibility is ourselves. And as you said, Jord, we can hold space and we can listen But we've also got to be aware of when those lines are becoming crossed and we need to put those boundaries up. And I guess for me, it's how... how Is that Lola? I'm so sorry. (laughs) I was hoping that that was really subtle. Do you know what it sounds like? I need to take a photo. I'm so sorry I interrupted you then. But it sounds like, you know, those old school lawnmowers where you like pull the cord to get it... Lonely, we're laughing at you, Bobby. <laughs> I took a pic, so you guys can all enjoy it. Because don't, it's actually great because Archie's not barking, so yeah, yeah, he's it's by fine. the fire. It's Lola's just so snoring. funny. <laughs> it's so great. Sometimes I even put my dogs before myself, guys. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But what I was going to ask is, Jord, how do we how do we know? when our boundaries are being jeopardized or crossed? Is it a physical sensation in our body? 
Is it a feeling of resentment or frustration with someone that we love? Yeah, I think there's no definitive answer there. Um, if yeah. I think about recent times for me, yeah, it's it's starting to feel this feeling of resentment. You know, you know what it is a lot. It's this feeling of defeat. It's like, mm-hmm. what do you want me to say? I've given mm-hmm. you every piece of advice I have. You've ignored all of it. I'm doing mm-hmm. everything I can and my energy is now being depleted and things in my life are falling by the wayside. So yeah. for me, it's sort of like, I mean, it's it's so hard to explain. I guess you and I are so in tune with our own energy and our personal vibrations so we can feel when they're being depleted or compromised. Yes. Um, but to explain it to the listeners, I guess it's this idea of your feelings and your reactions, how they're now framed in that environment. If you don't want to be there for a friend or this also happens at work, like if you feel like your entire job is to keep your staff like happy and pleased and they're not carrying the load, yeah. where where can you start to shift so that you are feeling supported? Because if you're constantly supporting everybody else, you're just going to lose all of your energy stores. And that's what happened to me, Jordan. This is very, um, it na- comes natural to all or nothing personalities like myself and like you, where I've been so involved and so invested in all of my friends and clients and all of these things, holding space for so many people. And it got to the head where I was, built into this state of resentment and overwhelm that I go the other way and I disappear and I don't contact anyone and I just shut right off and then I'm not good a friend to anyone because I'm just not there and I've gone MIA. So I'm almost grappling with that. How do I scale back gently before it gets to the point of, see you later, guys, I'm moving to Mexico. Yeah. So what's the question? How do you not The question do that? is, how do I not do that? Because <laughs> where is... My question is, how can I meet myself in the middle here so it doesn't go too far gone and I end up in this awful resentful state, which is my doing because I haven't had clear boundaries in the first place. Yeah, so you have to set up clear boundaries in the first place, for sure. (laughs) I mean, what's funny about this particular situation that you've just gone through is that you had to come to me for me Mm. to hold space for you and say, Holly, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) go and sort it out and then you did because you listened to me so we had this mutual exchange of energy right yeah you're like yep good point all right mm -hmm. i'm gonna go sort that out so that was an even energy exchange i guess what we want to do is we try we want to try and get people to a point where they haven't burnt themselves out completely so yeah i think it's about setting up energetic boundaries it doesn't mean being a bad friend at all it doesn't mean being a bad friend Sometimes what it means is saying to your friend, I hear you, I'm here for you, but until you go and bring some self-awareness to the situation that's going on and take on board some of my advice, you don't have to follow it. But if you keep taking yourself down this path and just expecting me to keep listening to it, then I can't continue to support you in this. I find those conversations so incredibly difficult. They are. They're so incredibly difficult. But I have to say, at somewhat, for someone who's been on the receiving end of it, it's a wake-up call. It's so true. And it probably any, strengthens it. If the anything, it sets them into motion. Yeah, that's so true. It's It doesn't have to be seen as brutal or harsh because you can do it from a really loving place. And this is that liberal energy in me where I just want everyone to be okay at 
to the faults of like myself and I get I have to get more comfortable with these conversations yeah and like really tough pill to swallow but a lot of the time when we're pleasing people it's because of our own ego so true right 100 percent. yeah you want to be that you want to be the person they come to you feel good when when you're supporting them and that's not 100%. a bad thing. I'm the same. I'm, I'm not attacking you at all. But no, it's, no. we do it because it makes us feel good and we like being the friend that they come to. It's a worthiness piece and it's it, it deflects from our own stuff. It's much better to unpick and help someone else in a crisis than look at my own stuff and go, oh, I've really got to work on that. And here's, here's the lesson of Libra season, and I think that we can all take this on board. If this is how you're feeling about the relationships in your life, turn a mirror on yourself. Where do you dump your shit onto people? Where do you ask them to support you without you giving them an even energy exchange? So true. Right? Holly and I, I think because we talk about this stuff so often, but often what we'll do now is we'll be going through our own shit and we'll share it with each other. And then I'll say to you something like, I'm not asking for your advice. I just want to get this out in the open. Sometimes I'll say, Holly, do you have any advice for me? And then I take that on board. I say in the moment, that's really good advice. I'm going to follow that. Or I'm just really not feeling that, but thank you. So there's this recognition of it, right? I love that in our relationship so much, George. My favorite thing is when you're like, I need to get this off my chest. I'm not asking for your advice. I'm like, great, cool. I can hold space. That's fine because my energy is still my energy. And that's what it is, right? It's like when you're giving your energy to someone else and nothing happens with it, it's depletion for no purpose. And that feels imbalanced. Yeah, because in a way sometimes it's like they want you to fix them. Yeah, that's 100% what it is. Give me the answer. Why am I feeling like this? Make me feel better. And we're never going to get the answer we're seeking from anybody else because nobody else has had our exact life experience. So we are the only one that can give ourselves the answer, which is why holding space is great, but asking for advice, not so much. This is why talk therapy is so great and psychologists are so great because they ask questions and they hold space. They don't give advice. We've got it all in us. That's why this stuff works. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I want to say, Jordi, is in showing up in these ways, something I am quite good at now and it has taken work is saying no to things that don't feel in alignment. So if I get invited to an event and it's not in alignment or if a brand wants to send me free product, like in the old days, I'd be like, oh, my God, free stuff, amazing. Yes, please send me all the things. But now I'm really great at tuning into is this in alignment with me and what my work or, you know, if a friend wants to catch up for – a brunch on Sunday and I was really looking forward to a day of rest. I'm good now at saying, thank you so much. I'm actually, I've scheduled in self-care for the day or I'm going to lovingly decline on this occasion. And in those moments, you actually give the receiver permission to show up in that way in their life as well, especially when it's with your friends. Cause a lot of the time when we revert into people pleasing, we'll end up saying yes to a catch-up or an event and then it gets closer to the catch-up of the event and then we make up a lie as to why we can't go and then we feel so guilty that we've told a lie and we should have just gone in the first place and instead why don't why don't we say more thank you so much for the invite I'll see how I'm feeling on the day I'm just working on filling my own cup up at the moment 
Yeah, that's I 100% agree with you. And I really had to do that as well with um, invites to things. I feel like it shifts a little when it's friendships. And I say this from personal experience. I got so comfortable with saying no if I didn't feel like doing something that I found myself doing it often. And yeah, sometimes, okay. sometimes there is obligatory stuff that you need to do. You that's know? true. And like birthdays and... Yeah, birthdays. And, oh, I'm just... My energy's a bit low today. I just... I think I'm just going to stay home. And look, there's validity in that. But a lot of the time, you really have to weigh it up and be like, it's really important to this person that I go. You That's know what so I mean? True. And so, it's so this, true. I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. I guess it's just <laughs> about having self-awareness. Um, and I've really had to pull myself up on that because I did, especially when I was having adrenal fatigue... I used to just please myself as much as I could, which was good to restore my energy, but I also found that I was disappointing people a lot. That's so true. I never looked at it that way. And I think I, I reverted to the same behavior in my adrenal fatigue. So that's, it's so interesting, isn't it? It's just this rabbit hole of what is the answer? But I do think a consistent theme through this discussion is <laughs> it's that notion of, do not give from an empty cup. If you are saying yes to people and your cup is empty or running on empty or dare I even say it, half full empty, whatever. Um, <laughs> hang on. Is it half empty or half full? Are there holes in my cup? What's going on? I, <laughs> I lost my cup two weeks ago and I'm just finding it now. Not, not, oh, an, not actually. Actual cup. I was like, oh, my God. No, we're talking metaphoric cup. Sorry, sorry. I got upset. Not my you. cup. I know where my keep cup is. I saw it in a very safe space. <laughs> no, but if, if we are giving from that empty cup, we are going to burn out. We are going to be depleted. We're going to have nothing left to give. And what we're giving isn't even of benefit to the receiver. So a lesson that I've come back to through the last few weeks is, have I been filling my cup up? No. Why haven't I? Because it's fallen down low on the list of priorities. And what am I going to do to change that? I'm going to start filling my cup up again. And that looks different to everybody. So for me, it's nature time, walks, getting in the sauna. It's taking care of my physical health. It's eating foods that make me feel good. All of these things because we're so quick to neglect. But then when it comes to other people, it's like I will jump off the cliff for you, but not for me. Why did I use jumping off a cliff? I don't know. It was very <laughs> visual though. Thank you. Very evocative. I that myself. Uh, <laughs> so how do you fill your cup up? Oh, I don't. I just have an empty cup. See? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. Of course I don't. Um, how do I fill my cup up? Um, I Look, I, I have to say I have really set boundaries with people now. Um, and I think my friends are – well, actually, can, can I just go back a few steps? What used to happen for me – is that I was the person who always replied to text messages the minute they came through. I'd never ignore someone's call. I'd always get back to someone. If someone needed to see me, I was always there. That was me in Sydney. When I moved up to Byron, I don't know what happened. I guess it just wasn't my priority to text people back straight away. And so I stopped and it freaked everybody out. Everybody thought I was angry at them. Everybody thought there was something wrong with me where I was just allowing a few hours to pass before I replied yeah, to stuff. Totally. And sometimes we need to, I had to reflect and go, well, you set this up. You set this up for yourself. So what you need to do is let people know that this is the new you. So I'd have to write to people, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's taken me so long to reply. I'm not as active on my phone up here. 
Um, it doesn't mean anything, you know, kind of... Don't read into it. Don't read yeah. into it, you know, all that sort of stuff. And what I wanted to say is if you do feel like you need to pull away from people... Rather than just pulling away, let them know. Like, be honest with so them. So true. And just be like, I love you so much. You don't have to say they're the one depleting you, but just be like, I'm really depleted at the moment. I just really need to take some time for myself. I hope you're okay and we'll talk soon. That's exactly what I've been doing, Joe, this time around. And it is received so beautifully. In fact, then you give yourself permission to be held by those people because most often than not, they're going to step up and check in on you and make sure you're okay and hold space for you. Yeah, I agree. Um, how do I fill my cup up? I'm, I'm pretty much the same as you. Lots of I've been doing lots of walking on the sand, feeling the sand between my toes, listening to the waves crash. Mm. Um, that's been really nice. I, I need to actually physically rest a lot. So in the middle of the day um, when I'm just feeling so kind of like torn and like depleted and clients coming from everywhere, I'll just lie on my Shakti mat in the middle of the day for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, same with foods, nourishing foods, yin. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm so used to being in tune with my energy that it's just a natural thing for me to know when I need to fill it up. Also, as an introvert, I do need to have a lot of time alone yeah. in order in order to fill my cup up. If I'm at one social event after another, I am spent. I don't know how people do it. I can't physically handle it. That's actually one of my tips in my ebook is space is so important, especially for a people pleaser, because we're so quick to fill our calendars with saying all the yeses to all of the things. And before we know it, we have no space for rest, recalibration, for nothingness. Mm. In fact, I feel a lot of people are scared of space, George, and it's like, oh, there's space in my calendar. I have a free day. I need to fill it with something as opposed to just sitting in that space. Yeah. I love sitting in space. I actually freak out when I've got a weekend coming up and there's just like lots of things to do. I'm just like, what? but what if, what if I'm really tired? I know. I have three things on this weekend, one thing on Saturday and two things on Sunday. And I'm like, oh my God, it's a lot. Yeah. It's so <laughs> I got to prep my energy for that. <laughs> but you do. So knowing what you're like, like take, and you're not doing this, but taking it easy oh. today, but you're not doing that. I'm not. I've got back to back things. This yeah. is, see, it's, it's just my natural inclination, but I know the things. I need to reread my ebook, Jord, and do the activities throughout. Yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> Actually, do need to take my own advice. Would you like to hear what I'm recoing this week? I would love to. I introed my own record. I know. I was you like, you can't even give me an opportunity, but it's cool, mate. It's cool, Leo. <laughs> Thank you. With a Libra moon, guys. Did you also know I'm Gemini rising? Okay. So <laughs> do you also know that she did Vipassana? Just in case you guys didn't know. Do you know, I was about to bring it up before when I was like, I've been getting downloads lately. It was actually a Vipassana download. I'm like, no, don't do it. It's too early in the episode, but, you know, we're here. Wow. Um, Reco this week is reflexology. Oh, so good. It's so good, George. Now, I am new to experiencing reflex, and I've had two sessions with a beautiful woman in North Bondi, Nat. Uh, Her business is Soul Reflexology. I'll pop it in the newsletter for the week. Uh, And what I love about reflexology is, so it's only working on the feet. And I am not a reflexology expert. This is why this isn't a try something new (laughs) segment. This is just a, this is what I recommend. For anyone who is operating from nervous energy, 
fight and flight in that parasympathetic nervous system response. What reflexology does is it activates the sympathetic nervous system and you walk out of a reflex session floating on a cloud. Basically through reflex and it's it's not really foot massage. I mean, it ends, my sessions have ended with a really beautiful massage, but during it, it's pushing really hard on certain acupressure and meridian points in the feet that are connected to various organs throughout the body and also releasing stored and blocked emotion within those organs and meridians. So it's purely working on the feet alone, but in both of the experiences I've had, there've been real energetic shifts in me. A lot of emotion has come up, linked to people pleasing actually, and also uh, stress and fatigue. My last session, she was working on this spot on my foot and I was like, oh, that is so tight, it hurts so much. And she's like, mm, they're your hips. And this is where a lot of anger is stored and I'm also working your liver stuff. And I was like, well, that makes so much sense because I had been feeling so frustrated and angry and I just am blown away by how your feet alone can hold so much emotion and energetic stagnation. And I highly recommend anyone giving a go if you haven't. Just seek recommendations when it comes to these sorts of things. I know that this is a reco segment, but I'm recoing the practice of reflexology. If you're Sydney-based, definitely Nat in North Bondi. But depending on where you are in the world, there are definitely going to be local reflex practitioners. Ask around and get that word of mouth advice. Yeah. Um, And the the most fascinating thing about reflexology is because it's so powerful, we're actually on our feet all freaking day. And there's all these points that we're activating and deactivating and, you know, putting pressure on. Um, So I think it's really important to be able to like sit down, put your feet up and like have someone actually press them in the right way. It's really, really beautiful. And my, the practice that I have with Natalie ends with like, she'll intuitively tune into essential oils and she rubs those and you go into a meditative state. It's really beautiful. It goes for about an hour and it's a meditative, relaxing and beautiful way to fill your cup. Beautiful. That's my reco for the week. How about you, George? Well, I've got a bit of a strange reco too. It's like we're not giving product recos at the moment, but I, um, I've got clear skin. Like it's, it's, it's it glows. Not, it glows. No, that's not what I was saying. I just mean it's quite clear. But I do, around my period, get uh, pimples on my chin. And I'm not very good at not picking them and pushing I pick them. them and, all the time. Yeah, it's so bad, isn't it? But it's so it's just so unattractive when it gets, like, all pussy and you're like, I just want to pop it. Yeah, I don't want to walk around with the pus on my face. Yeah, and, like, I try and do it the way they tell you where I, like, heat it up and then I pop it, don't force it, and then I put ice on it and do all those things. But, look, at the end of the day, I've got some acne scarring on my chin. Now, I love using face oil. I use it all the time, but I'd run out of my face oil blends and I just had some random things in the bathroom. Um, And so I started to mix some stuff together. And, honestly, in, like, 10 days the scarring on my chin is starting to fade. So what I've been doing is just getting some rosehip oil. I use Aiken rosehip oil. I find Mm -hmm. it's really beautifully absorbed by my skin, but you could also use Jojoba as the base and just putting one to two drops of patchouli oil. So a really high grade patchouli oil 
I've, I used doTERRA because it's in the bathroom, but there's plenty of beautiful Australian patchouli brands out there. And just putting two drops of it in there, you know, rubbing the oils together and putting it on my face. I do it morning and night. You smell amazing. I mean, I love the smell of patchouli. It reminds I me love of it my too. mom. But some people mm, maybe get turned off it a little bit, but I really love it. Um, so you smell like patchouli for the day, but also, honestly, it's made a significant change to the scarring on my chin. So if you've got like little blemishes and like little um, pigmentation in your skin, I'd try it out. Did you just intuitively pick patchouli? Yes, I did. And then I looked it up this morning um, and it, it is actually perfect for skin imperfections. That's amazing. I'm going to try it, George. That's so great. Do you put it on before you moisturize? Because I have a skincare routine now, guys. Um, yeah. Is it before? Is it after? What is yeah. it? Yeah, so I, I cleanse and then I um, I don't use a toner, but you could spray a toner on or, um, yeah, a mist of some description. And then I put it on while my skin is quite wet still, so it absorbs really well. Um, and I – oh, you – the listeners can't see what I'm doing. I press it into my face. So like yeah, okay. press it into my pores. And then if it's nighttime, I just, that's all I do. If it's daytime, then I put my go-to's incredible on my um, SPF moisturizer. And that's my skincare routine done. But if I you've got particularly dry skin, which you don't, you should be no. fine with just the oil, I would say. Yeah, I'm going to do it because I do I do have all of the acne scarring from the picking of the pimples on my chin. Yeah, and I mean, look, since we're talking about it, and, and I'm not an essential oils freak at all, but another really good one, if you happen to have it in the house, is frankincense. That frankincense also, is so good. Yeah, that also made a big difference to my skin. But I just find the patchouli, it's something with the imperfections. It just is really – I haven't got any makeup on, Holly. Like, this is me today. Oh, my God, it looks amazing. Yeah, I know. So it's – yeah, I've okay. really noticed, and it's only been 10 days. I can definitely second the frankincense recommendation. That used to be my go-to <laughs> It's so care. good, isn't it? It's just it's so expensive. So... Yeah, but the smell as well. Every, everything about frankincense oil gives me life, but I just have run out. Do you have... have you ever burnt franken, frankincense? I've never burnt it. Oh, my it. God, it's amazing. Oh. I've got some here. I've got to go and get <gasps> some charcoal discs. When you come up, we'll go and buy some and burn it. You get high on it. Like, I can imagine. Yeah. It's a very sacred oil. It is. It's And do you know the other one? Sandalwood. Oh. So I good. freaking love sandalwood so much. That is such a sacred oil to me. I just... Oh, it's amazing. You know, there's a guy up here. He, um, he has a stall at some of the markets up here, not the farmer's markets, like the crafty markets. Cool. And he sells these, like, they're big kind of, like, driftwood pieces with, like, um, oil oil burners in them, I guess. And he has sandalwood with all these different scents. So sandalwood oil is the main oil. And then you can get, like, a rose one or a jasmine one oh. or a eucalyptus one. But what it is good for is sandalwood actually um, repels mosquitoes. No and, way. Yeah, so the idea is that you burn it outside. I'm going to get one for summer because citronella is actually not great for you. It's toxic. Yeah, so um, you burn these instead outside <gasps> and the smell is just so beautiful, the sandalwood and rose one. I'm going to find out oh. his name because I think you can order them online as well. I might make it I a want one. Mm. I want a sandalwood and jasmine. Jasmine is my favourite flower and jasmines are blooming now, guys. I don't think the plural for jasmine is jasmines, but I just made it <laughs> <laughs> so good um all right my love you are teaching us something so good this week i'm actually really excited i'll be listening with bated breath the whole way through so what is it 
I'm a little bit nervous, actually, because I, precursor, I don't want to come across as if I know all the answers and my relationship is mightier than thou. But what I really wanted to talk about today and share a little bit is given that Trent and I are heading into our 12th year together, it'll be 12 years in January 2020, uh, I do get asked a fair bit around how, like, what are our secrets? What are the tips to a longevity in our relationship? And given that we got together when we were 17 and we're now, you know, stepping into our 30s, we have gone through a lot of change together as a couple. You know, we've experienced everything. There was a moment where Trent was working at the mines, so we did 18 months of long distance. Um, we've had loved ones pass away. We've had other loved ones get sick. We've had been with each other through redundancy, through kind of everything that life can possibly throw at you. And they're the real tests, aren't they? They're the big ones. And Mm. we've never broken up. We've never had a break. We've never called it off for a period. It's been consistent. my mind. I'm actually really proud of it. Yeah, you should be. Yeah, but it is something that I I do shy away from talking about because I I definitely don't want it to appear that we're one of those couples that has it all figured out and that it's this perfect blissful thing because that's not the nature of relationship either. We we know everything is not what it seems and the only two people that know what go on in a relationship are the two people in a relationship. That said, I do feel we've got a pretty good handle on how to do the relationship thing and do it well for both of us. Mm. And a little precursor that I do want to say is I I say this flippantly, but also a little triggering. I get it a lot and I've, I've been getting it for years from friends, from people in my life, especially girlfriends, where they're like, I just want to find my Trent. I just want my Trent. I just, Trent is amazing. He's perfect. And look, don't get me wrong. The guy is a saint. He's incredible. That said, a relationship does take two people, guys. And I'd like to think that I also bring things to the table in this relationship. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But I also think that, you know, like Trent is perfect for you and you are perfect for Trent. But cloning Trent and giving Trent to every girl that wants a long-term relationship is not going to work. You know what I mean? So it's like you don't want a Trent. You want a Trent equivalent for you. You want a relationship that brings you the feels that you think a Trent would bring you as opposed to a Trent. Exactly. (laughs) Specifically. (laughs) Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. But also, whole like, just in your defense, you hear from people who are your friends saying how much they love Trent, which is a compliment to you. You're not going to hear people saying how wonderful you are. You know what I mean? Like Trent's friends probably say that. That's so true. Guys, if you're listening, tell me how great I am. (laughs) So I actually sat down with Trent and we came up with a list of things. Oh, I love this. Isn't it cute? We came up with a list of things that we feel. I know. Isn't Trent the best, guys? (laughs) After that whole fucking spiel. Actually, on that, the first thing is speak highly of one another, even when the other person isn't around. I get really uncomfortable when I hear people like, slagging off their partner totally I'm the same like complaining and I understand there are periods and rocky patches and you can vent to your friends and go I'm so frustrated with him and I do that I'll get on Vox I've done it with George and been like in tears being like Trent's fucked up and this is what he's done and that's fine but remember that you guys are a team yeah and gosh it would break my heart if I heard overheard that Trent had been talking smack to his mates about me yeah yeah this piece of respect on respect and if you've got 
deep respect for the person that you were choosing to be with, and we'll talk about choice in a second, then speak highly of them. And I'm talking, Jord, even last year, where relationship for us, I've been open. It was really, really hard, like, like very, very scary as to what could have happened. I still spoke so highly of that man. I was like, we're going through stuff, but he is amazing. He's an incredible person. And I do think that that piece of on respect is really key. So speak really highly of the person that you're choosing to be with. And that's the other piece, Joy, it is it's a choice. Any relationship that you're in romantically, you are choosing to be there and that person is choosing to be with you. So rather than complaining when things get tough or, you know, just getting frustrated with the other person. You're choosing to be part of this. And the thing with choice is you can always choose again. So if a relationship is reaching a point where there's stagnation or there's something to work on, work on it, right? It doesn't have to be this constant frustration with the other person. Um, And I guess this lends itself to that non-attachment piece, which can be quite confronting for people to hear when it comes to a romantic relationship. But honestly, it saved me over the last few years where relationships have their times and their seasons. And if you are non-attached to that concept of forever, which I do believe sets us up for a lot of pressure and failure, then it just makes life so much easier, George. It's I am choosing to be with you and right now it's amazing. And that might change at some point and also that might not. And I'm I'm okay either way. And this is the big piece. Can you tell I've got a lot of tips? It's that piece on having your own lives outside of your relationship. Mm. And this hasn't been something that Trina and I have ever constantly done, but over the last 12 years, it has been consistent for us. So for instance, Jord, Trent and I were together for six years when I decided to move out of home. I moved out with Leah and Jess. I moved out with my girlfriends, right? Trent's first overseas trip was for a month with his mates, not with me. My first overseas trip was seven weeks in Europe with Leah. We are constantly traveling separate. Trent goes to Japan in November for three weeks with his brother. Yeah, you guys see, I'm always gallivanting across the universe, sometimes with Trenny and sometimes not. And people can find that really confusing. They're like, oh, but why aren't you going with Trent? Like Trent's mate at work is like, I don't understand how you guys can live these lives apart from each other. Yeah, I I understand that. Can I interject here a little bit? Please. As someone who, um, I've been in lots of long-term relationships, but as someone now who's looking for the next one, I've done a lot of stuff on my own. I've done a lot of travel. I've lived on my own for a very long time. I'm at the point now where, of course, I can't help but have a separate life because I've already built a life for myself. But I want to be living with someone, traveling with someone, I, I I feel like I, I'm not running out of time, obviously. <laughs> but I, I get what you're saying. I get that you have to have separate lives, separate friendships. But it also I feel like it's a little bit different as you get older and you're in the next stage of life because you really just want to be doing stuff together, you know. I would say to that, just don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like when you call in your forever man or, you know, non-attached to forever man. <laughs> For right now, man. That for right now, man. Mr. And, right and now. remember, guys, this is my relationship. So it could be, it could absolutely differ for you. And I know relationships that do. But for you, George, there may be a trip that comes up where forever man can't come. And for you, it's like, well, would you put that trip on hold just because he couldn't be by your side? You'd oh still God. go. Do you right? at all, Holly Ellis Party? Right? <laughs> We're still going to do our gals trips and gals weekends and those sorts of things. I feel would a lot of... Would you rather? <laughs> We're not even going to go there. 
guys, we play this really fun game called Would <laughs> Should You Rather. Should have been a reco. <laughs> Actually, let's do a whole episode just on Would You Rathers. We'll do that no. separately. Holly's Would You Rathers are so dark and scary. They're really morbid. The choices I had to make yesterday were just so heart-wrenching. It was about, like, would she ra- – no, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but what I'm saying, Jordy, is I see it a lot where people put all the eggs in one basket with a relationship. They don't nurture their friendships anymore. Mm. They don't take opportunities because it means, oh, but what if I'm away from my partner for too long or I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to be myself without them. Mm. And in our relationship, it's been really beautiful to have our own lives, to miss one another and then to be able to come back together time and time again. I think that that's so important. And it was the first thing Trent said too. It was his first point. Yeah, there's something in missing someone, isn't there? So important. And you you appreciate them. You appreciate them totally. so much. Yeah. Like, anytime I'm not with Trent and I come back home after a stint, I'm like, oh, my God, I love you so much. I know. It's so special. Yeah. The other piece that I want to talk to is this ownership of the other person. Mm-hmm. You do not own your partner. And there's this piece around having to ask for permission to go out or – like Trent's going out with his mates tonight and a couple of his mates were like, did you ask Holly if you could? He's like, what? <laughs> no. Like, why would I ask Holly? And they're like, because she's your wife. It's like, absolutely not. If Trent was asking me for permission to do things, I'd be like, why? Why? Like, but but honestly, it's quite common, Jord. I mm. see it with my male friends. They have the, quite this apologetic tendency to me if they say they were going to call me and then they, they don't because they ended up doing something else. It's like, oh, I'm so, so sorry. Like, I ended up doing this thing. It's like, stop apologizing for living your life, you know? Yeah. Um, this has been something that I've had to work on over time. So I've not always been, yeah, go out with the boys. It's totally fine. Go away. Yeah, travel with your brother for three weeks. At the beginning of our relationship, I was incredibly possessive and very jealous. Jealousy is not a good trait of mine um and this one does take work and effort and time that said Trent isn't a jealous person at all so I do think that's really worked in our favor in the context of this dynamic because he's very much just been like yeah go do that yeah go share an Airbnb with your male best mate like he's never questioned it which has made it quite easy for me and I do understand not everybody has that privilege yeah yeah a couple of other quick tidbits. These are just like fun little takeaways. I'm writing notes. I'm are you just really? Like, yeah. Do fun things together. You know, plan your date nights. 12 years, we're still going on dates together. We're exploring new places together. We do weekends away together. Do them with other couples that you really have fun with and that share the values that you do as couples. That's so important. We love our time with our other coupley friends. But also spend time with your single friends as well. Like it's not that, oh, we're married now, so we only hang out with married people and people who are going to have children. Like, no. I'd never be able to see any of my friends. (laughs) It's just that's not not the way to do it. Um, Converse, don't argue. So Mm. we don't argue and we don't ever yell i've never called trent a name he's never called me a name ever you guys are amazing never ever because we have so much respect jord and and like recently (laughs) (laughs) recently trent had a little moment which i'm not going to share with you guys but just so you know he's not perfect and i sat him down and said we need to have a, a chat and we sat on the couch and he heard me out and i said you know you've crossed a boundary here this is how it's made me feel. It's really upset me, Trenny. And and that's important to say, this is how it has made me feel. Mm. Not 
you've made me feel this. Or this, no is, one how can ever I, this is how I feel. Yeah, this yeah, feel. this is how I feel. Exactly, exactly. This is how I feel and this is what it's come from. Help me understand why it was you chose to do this. Help me understand, right? So just having conversation as opposed to going on the attack and snapping and arguing and fighting. I think for me especially, I avoid it at all costs because I had a very tumultuous upbringing with my parents. Every day was arguments, name calling, plates being smashed on the wall. I don't want that upbringing for my future children. So there, yeah, there are times that Trent pisses me off and I say to him, you're pissing me off. But I don't yell at him and call him names because there's still that level of respect. Oh, no. I'm choosing yeah. to be with him, right? Yeah, it's my absolutely. Um, I have a really cute one that Trent wants to finish on. But before I do that, the, where I was going wrong last year, and we know that our relationships are our biggest teachers and mirrors, so I was putting the blame on Trent. He's not this for me. He's not doing this for me. I'm feeling like this. And through deep coaching with a couple of people, it's like, okay, Holly, what are the mirrors for you? I was putting all of this pressure on Trent to tick all of the things that I want in a connection. So he needed to be my husband, my lover, the future father of my children, the provider. I wanted him to have the spiritual conscious conversations with me. I wanted to, him to inspire me in every day. And so when I had a look at that, my coach Susanna said to me, if you could pick two and you wanted him to do those two really well and if you could just be doing those two, what would they be? And it was husband and lover. She said, is he nailing those? And I was like, he actually fucking is. And she said, are you nailing those? Flip it, wife and lover. Are you nailing those for him? And I was in tears, George. I wasn't. I wasn't at all. So that made me go, fuck me. I'm putting all of my shit on him going, you're not ticking these boxes for me. And when I looked at myself, I'm going, I'm not doing it. And so then it was, okay, I'm going to work on being a better wife. I'm going to turn my phone on flight mode when he gets home from work. I'm going to cook dinners with him. We're going to watch Netflix series together. Like those sorts of things. Stop putting on your partner to be the person that does everything for you. I have incredibly inspiring friends. I have incredibly, you know, and Trent inspires me to no end. That's a bad example, but I, I have incredibly you you have deep conscious spiritual deep conversations with me. Other people in my life, with you, yeah, with other people in my life. And Trent doesn't need to give me that because mm. he gives me the husband. He gives me the incredible future father of our children. He gives me the rock solid companionship and he gives me the lover. And that actually is... And the lols. All that matters. And the lols. <laughs> and on that note, the last piece when I said to Trenny, what do you think is something that's really... I love it already and I haven't even heard it. Kept us together all these years. He said, we always order dessert. Oh. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I think it's really important. Like find someone. And I, the metaphor in that is find someone who's going to share dessert with you. And what is your dessert? It doesn't have to be dessert. Well, but, double water didn't eat sugar, so... Okay, double water needs to go. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what is your little thing and yeah. how do you share that with them? Yeah, yeah. my little thing is um, we have to both enjoy coriander because I will not so have a dish good. without coriander. <laughs> so important. Yeah, Trent loves coriander too. He ticks that box too. Is there anything he can't do? <laughs> but what I want to end this conversation on, Geordie, is 
just a reminder that your relationship is yours. Mm. And this is not about comparison. Mm -mm. This is about taking what resonates and leaving what doesn't and sharing in the Facebook group what's working in your relationship. There, in in our industry and industries that we've associated with in the past, George, it can be incredibly oh, just damaging for us to have a look at these insta aesthetic couples that seem to have all of the answers, and it's this deep spiritual love that you know levitates chairs when they're sitting on them, and it does. It can look that way, which is amazing, but also. It, it might not look that way, and that's also and it okay. Probably, most likely, won't look that way. It probably doesn't. You're probably not levitating chairs as you make love on your fucking sofa, and you know who knows what goes on. I don't know how I brought sex into this. That's also key, but sex is key, but not in the ways that you think it has to be. For so long, I thought, oh, we should be having sex all the time because we're married and we're we've been together so long, but. Sex looks differently for every couple. You could be having Absolutely. sex once every few months, and if that's great sex when you're in, and you're enjoying it when you're having it, amazing. Maybe you're in a period now where you're not having sex together, but you still got that love and connection. Fucking great. Whatever works for you, whatever works for you. What Mike about what, <laughs> what about little things like not going to bed with unresolved issues? Never ever we always go to bed at the same time together always except i say always last week trent's been watching power on stan oh, and i watch it yeah i haven't gotten into it now it's he's too far into it so there was one night last week where i went to bed and then when he came in i was like i didn't like that i like when we go to bed together oh, wow you always go to bed at the same time yeah that's really sweet yeah, always go to bed at the same time. We all we have our little things, so we'll always say, like, we'll always have a cuddle and then say, I love you, have a good sleep, and then we roll and face the other ways because nice. we're not one of those couples that, like, holds Spoons. hands in the night. Yeah. But no, no, get off me, get away. Um, and then in the morning he gets up before work and he'll give me a kiss and he says, I love you, beautiful, have a good day, and he'll leave. And they're just li- little habits that we constantly do. Um, what was the question? <laughs> oh, no, I was just saying, do you resolve issues before you go to bed? That was always, always. my number one, always. So key. And you hear it a lot, Jord, when you hear, like, people that have been together 40, 50 years, it's never let a sunset on an argument. And that that is absolutely key. And also, no matter what argument it is, there's a saying, and I'm going to not do it service, but it's, do you love the person more than you love being right? Sometimes put things to bed oh, it's absolutely. just not worth it you know do you love that person more than you love being right and I like being right a lot but a lot of the time it's like this isn't even worth it because I love that person so much totally. let's just let it go yeah, yeah. I think I learned yeah. that lesson in my mid-20s and it saved many a relationship so key so yeah. key so there I hope that you guys take something away from that chat um yeah here's okay. to another 12 years <laughs> now to a more important topic how fucking ridiculous is that show about the mass Singer? <laughs> I can't fucking handle it. I only watch... Who did they reveal on the second night? Is it every night? I don't know. Um, the second one was Brett Lee. Cook oh! Yeah. Was he, was he the wasp? No, he was the... Was pa- there a wasp? He was the parrot, I think. It's so I bad. I watched two episodes because I was like, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I hate it. I hate it's- it. It's shocking. The judges are acting like they're not thinking this is amazing. The singing is terrible. I knew they weren't all going to be professional singers, but like it's really bad karaoke. We could do better whole. 
I just don't understand Lindsay Lohan. How does she... She doesn't know Greta Colleen or Brett Lee. Like, you're setting her up for a loss, guys. Well, apparently, I heard Danny Minogue interviewed on the project, I think, and she said of the 12 singers, four of them are actually friends with Lindsay Lohan. So she does know four of them. Okay. I kind of want to... I just want to know who the singers are. I, I can't put myself through that again, Joel. I though. can't either. Not at all. Like, from going... <laughs> from really like good television survivor and batchy to having to deal with that bullshit i just need to start reading some more books we've got to watch gogglebox though for their reaction to the mass singer i watched gogglebox last night um mass singer wasn't on it but i reckon next week next week yeah i fucking love gogglebox so much and when does bachelorette start i don't know the ads are on now i would say i think after the mass singer's over because you know okay. they like to only run one at a time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Fuck, we need this show done. And they must have big budget because they have Osha hosting and the panel. Yeah, well, Lindsay Lohan, I'm sure she wasn't cheap. Or maybe she no. was. I mean, she's not really getting any work, is she? But they also pay the contestants. You know that. So I saw Gretel Colleen interviewed after she was on. And they said to her, Gretel, why did you do The Masked Singer? Like, come on. And she said, well, you know, I do a lot of charity work and I go overseas um, and spend a lot of time, you know, in orphanages? Orphanages. Whoa. You know when you say a word and it just doesn't doesn't make sense in your head? Orphanages. Overseas. And she said, you know, in order to fund that, I need work to come in. And she said, this came in and I thought, well, I can do this. Could be a fun opportunity and it allows me to go back and do the work that I love to do. And I was like, okay, great. So they're obviously paying them. And I would say like if we're about to get some overseas contestants, they'd be paying them quite a bit to get them here. So what I'm hearing you're saying is that there is big budget in TV right now that they're willing to throw at random ideas and we need to pitch ourselves in a TV show. What would our TV show be, Hol? It'd be called Meet Us in the Middle. Would it be and, a couch panel discussion? Yeah, yeah, it'd be a talk show. It'd be meet us in the middle and we would have one, like, panellist who is well-known, like a Guy Sebastian or a Jackie O, and then we'd have someone else who's more from the soul world and we'd have chats meeting in the middle. Hmm, that could be Let's fun. pitch that. I'd There's budget, that. so I'd watch it too. <laughs> Listeners, let us know. Would you watch it? <laughs> You've been listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Party and Jordana Levine. Join our Facebook group. Just search The Middle Podcast Show. And remember to follow us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast. See you in your ear holes. <laughs> See you in your ear holes. <laughs> that makes no sense. That makes no it's like little mini versions of us standing in our listeners' ear holes. And then how are they going to see in their own ear holes? They'll be like up against the mirror. Like, oh. That was great. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.